Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. Well, thank you so much for putting that video together. And it not only shows that uh, children are invited to pray, uh, but they're invited to teach and be part of our service. So thank you for for teaching us those things. Uh, We're in the midst of a series called Being Formed. Uh, A couple weeks back, uh, we looked at guarding our heart, uh, how part of being a disciple means that we guard our hearts, that that we're not just thinking things, uh, but we have our desires and our loves that guide us. And then we moved on in the next Sunday to look at how we are called not just to guard our hearts, but to put on Christ and, and to follow in the actions and behaviors. And we're going to be picking up in Colossians chapter 3 again. We're going to be focusing on verses 15 through 17, so I invite you to open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 17. Uh, Before reading, uh, let's turn to God in prayer for the prayer of illumination. Lord, our God, in the midst of reading and the proclamation of your word, We pray that you illumine our minds and hearts so that we hear and understand your word, know and live according to your word, and become living letters of your word, equipped to follow Jesus in every part of our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit, through Christ, the living word. Amen. Colossians chapter 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature— sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of the Creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful 
Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through the psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in the word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the year 1929, a man by the name of Edward, Edwin Link created this. This is known as the, the Link Trainer. Is the uh, image coming up there? Yeah, the Link Trainer. Uh, inside, you see all these little dials and controls. And on the bottom, I think the most important part for this uh, was, well, Edwin Link was the son of a pipe organ maker, and he made that bottom so that it was able to move and to simulate the motions of a plane. Now, this was a really important thing. Um, Edwin Link was a pilot, and he thought this would be really good to help train people to trust in their controls, uh, because in that time, uh, if you didn't have the ability to see if it was poor weather situations, doing things like landing a plane could be really challenging without that practice. Now, the trouble was that the people in that time didn't really see the need for it. Uh, there was no other basis for a flight simulator. Basically, you were thought it was, it was going to be okay. You just had to study the, the flight manuals, and they'd just send you off in the plane, and you'd be good to go because you know how to do it. Uh, this vastly overestimated the, the power of the mind and, and underestimated the value of practice, especially for these difficult weather situations where, where limited visibility was there and they needed practice with these controls, actually moving your hands over the switches, actually taking controls and, and making adjustments. Uh, Practicing helps in being able to trust the dials. Now, over the first five years of this, it didn't sell very well. He was mostly selling to, to fairgrounds where people could pretend to be pilots. Uh, but then in 1934, there was a, a three-month period where there was particular hard and challenging landing uh, situations and a lot of plane crashes, and they figured they had to do something about it. So they looked into different options, and one of them was the link trainer, so they thought they would fly him in to see how this thing works. And on the day that he was scheduled to fly in, uh, the weather was deemed to be unflyable, uh, but he decided to go anyways. And when he landed, they kind of came up, or landed safely, they came up to him and asked him why he did this, and he said that he was comfortable with it because he had practiced it time and time again. And that led to the selling of multiple link trainers um, to the point where he sold over 10,000 in the next 10 years. The people then found this value in this practicing. It gave them space to train the pilots to form more instinctual movements. It gave them a place to learn the proper reflexes that would bring them success 
in their hard situations. Uh, In Colossians chapter 3, Paul is doing something similar here. He is giving instruction to people that will prepare them for whatever life throws at them. Paul's exhortation is to put on Christ, something that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Putting on Christ involves walking in Christ's way. Look at verse 12 here, where it says, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, to, to bear each other and forgive one another if you have grievance against someone. you're supposed to practice these things as we put on Christ. This takes apprenticing, having people show us how to do it, as we were looking at. If you want to learn how to juggle or to do the monkey bars, these things take other people walking you through it. It also takes the Spirit working in us, transforming us in our loves and our desires so that we rightly practice movements as imitators of Christ. Today, I want to look at Paul's next line in verses 15 through 17, particularly at verse 16 right here. He says, more than just putting on humility and gentleness, we are to be thankful to let the message of Christ dwell among you richly to teach and admonish one another through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, and in singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. A part of the formation of the person is this gratitude. We are to be thankful. We are to sing to God with gratitude in our hearts. A part of what Paul is talking about here looks looks a lot like a a worship service. In in a book that I've mentioned a few times in the last number of weeks, uh, called You Are What You Love, uh, it turns to passages like this. It turns to Colossians chapter 3, and it uses it to make statements about the value of the church. Here's one that I found particularly challenging. The most potent, charged, transformative site of the Spirit's work is found in the most unlikely places, the church. Um, He says that somewhat provocatively, thinking that often we we put our emphasis in discipleship in the the other six days. Uh, It's not primarily for Sunday, but that our discipleship happens in the week-to-week, and there's a right emphasis there, and that is the space where we are to take our transformation into. However, sometimes we can default in not giving the church and the space of worship its proper value. In explaining it a little further, he has this to say. The church's worship is at the heart of discipleship. Yes, Christian formation is life-encompassing, Monday through Saturday, week in and a week out project, but it radiates from and is nourished by the worship of the congregation gathered around word and table. Smith, uh, he's, he's acknowledging Monday through Saturday is an important thing, 
Uh, but that doesn't discount what happens on Sunday. That Sunday is actually fairly central in our understanding of what it means to grow as disciples. Sunday is a space of recalibration, of, of ordering our hearts in towards worship of God, and we do that together. He looks at passages like Colossians chapter 3 and says that church services are actually incredibly important in the formation of people, that, that a space and a time where we can gather and direct our loves towards God, that this is part of our discipleship formation, what it means to move towards being image bearers of Christ. It should be the tune-up that resets our desires when they start to veer off throughout the week. It sends us out to be a blessing for others. And I've mentioned this already, uh, but this is something that we have talked about in our series, that, that we're guided by our desires. We're not just thinking things, uh, but we're guided by our loves. And recognizing this, the worship services are places where God meets us where we are. God's not surprised by the fact that we're led by our desires. We're invited to be formed in the practice of putting on Christ as we worship him. In the worship service, by the way, I don't mean just our singing. The, the worship service as a whole involves God's greeting. It involves liturgies. It involves offering and reading God's word as well as singing together. All of these things are meant to form us as followers of Christ. Now, this is a little bit like this image right here, uh, the link trainer. Our singing in, to God and thankfulness, as our passage lists, the psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit are akin to the pilot working the dials, working around in there, practicing our desires in the right order. We're practicing and acknowledging the most important part isn't our own stories and our own individual lives, but being taken up into God's story and his story of salvation. One big difference between the link trainer and our worship services is that the link trainer is just practicing for the real thing. But our worship services are a space where we get to participate in the very real worship of God, where we get to take our desires and in a real way reorder them in their proper place to have ourselves primarily set before God and part of his story. Now, what does this look like uh, at Living Hope? Uh, when we were first looking at this series a couple months ago, I thought I should ask our worship coordinator, uh, Lena, our, one of our resident experts on worship, to see what is it uh, that we do in our church uh, to help facilitate this. And she helpfully guided me to uh, the worship source book. Uh, the worship source book, for those of you who do not know it, is a CRC resource that, that goes through different parts of our service and, and helps in, in the formation and in the guiding of it. And there's a really helpful part in it where it gives, in its introduction, 
uh, it will list off different aspects of the service, and then next to it, there's a visual, and visuals really help me out. Uh, it gives different arrows pointing up or, or pointing down. And, and the upward arrows represent for um, whether something is directing us towards praise of God, and the downward arrows are to represent uh, when God is speaking something to us. It's a way of communicating that our worship is a dialogue in some way. Now, if you have a paper or a pencil with you, I invite you to, uh, into this exercise, I'm going to list different parts of the service, and I want you to be able to do an upward arrow or a downward arrow next to it. If you don't have a pen and paper, that's okay. You can, like, point or you can just imagine which way it is. But I think it's helpful uh, to get engaged in trying to write this out ourselves. The first part, God's greeting. Is this an upward arrow action, us towards God, or is this God towards us? The source book puts a downward arrow there. It is God who welcomes us into our worship. And the same thing is given for the call to worship. It gives a downward arrow where we often turn to one of the Psalms. We look to something in God's word of the invitation that we have into the worship of God. Next, confession. Upward or downward arrow. Confession is upward. It's a time where we confess before God. A confession is an example of what's at the core of the arc of our services. In confession, we acknowledge the wrong that we have done, the fact that we stand in need of forgiveness, and there's, there's nothing that we can do to get out of this state of sin, that we are wholly and completely dependent on the work of Jesus and on the cross for forgiveness. Uh, confession is something that's meant to recalibrate us. Maybe throughout the week, we start to think that, that we can do things on our own, that, that it's about us fixing things. Our practice of confession brings it back and makes us recognize that we need to confess before God. Next, assurance. Up arrow or down arrow. The assurance is the down arrow that's pointed for us. It comes to us not because of the things that we have done, uh, but because of the work of Jesus. And through the work of the Spirit, uh, we have that assurance that we are being formed into the likeness of Christ, that we are entering into the roles that we were created to be in the creation. We're created to be image bearers of God. Now, I'll have two more examples, the offering and the blessing. The offering and the blessing. Well, the offering is one that points upward. We bring our offerings before God in a posture of worship. And the blessing is a downward arrow again. 
Uh, we should be familiar with this refrain uh, that the blessing is God's word spoken through the preacher to you wherever you are. This reminds us of the direction of that part of our worship. And what does this tell us about the worship service as a whole? Uh, it means that it's a dialogue. It's meant to be a back and forth. It's not, our worship is not simply us speaking to God. It is an invitation. It is God speaking words of forgiveness and assurance to us. It is God speaking to us through his word. And it's us offering things back to God in various ways through our offerings, through our worship, through our confession. We bring things to God as well. Now, I want to point this out um, because every church has arrows. Um, this, every church has this, whether they think about it or they don't. And churches that claim to have structure or to have no structure will often have this less uh, address. So it's really helpful to be a part of the Reformed tradition where we have things like the worship source book that help us guide in an arc of what a service can look like. One temptation can be, um, particularly in our culture, it, it forms us to have a particular type of up arrow. Uh, the up arrow gives uh, an opportunity for us to express ourselves, and sometimes we get confused in thinking that worship is all about being able to express ourselves, and that's the only thing. It's, it's certainly part of it, uh, but it is not the entirety of our worship. God, good worship does more than just express. Good worship draws us into God's big story of salvation, and it brings us from our internal dialogue into a dialogue with the eternal God. Now, this whole idea of worship as dialogue, uh, this is actually one of the key reasons why we've kept the, the format that we have uh, fairly consistently throughout COVID as we've transitioned uh, fairly differently to the way that we do services where uh, people are attending mostly online. We know that perhaps there are more entertaining ways of doing a service, that maybe we'd get more viewers if we streamlined it and made it something where, where people could express themselves more. Uh, but we wanted to maintain the parts that enter us into a dialogue. We wanted to maintain the parts that, that form us as listeners and as speakers to God. Now, we don't claim to do it perfectly. Uh, there's ways that we can still change it and that we can improve, just as that's always been the case. Uh, it's always been uh, a space where we can be growing in as a church from week to week. But we still have this recognition, uh, something that the church has been aware of for a very long time. The ancient church had a phrase uh, that can be translated something like this, show me how you worship and I'll show you what you believe. Uh, they, they had this deeply embedded uh, belief that the form of worship itself actually told us something about what we believe and what it means um, to believe in our God. They had, uh, okay, the, there's a book called Ancient Future Worship. That's another one that uh, Lena had pointed out for me and one that we've been studying together. 
and it had a line in it that I have found to be particularly challenging. Oh, before that line, this is just a side note. The Worship Source book has all of these little, like, it's not just like the five or six parts of the service. It gives those and all sorts of arrows. And there's not just up and down arrows, but very importantly, side to side arrows. And that means that we're not just individuals in our worship together, that worshiping together corporately, uh, our, our faith isn't just an individualistic thing of God saving our souls, uh, but we're saved into this community, and that's built into our worship services. I missed that, sorry. Okay, back to the quote, ancient future worship. Um, it has this to say, if how we worship shapes what we believe, then it is imperative that we pay attention to how we worship. If worship is shaped by culture, it will result in culturally conditioned faith. In other words, if culture tells us something should revolve around us and fulfill our desires, then that's what we'll expect from a worship service. It's just something meant to express us. If we have much of our desire formation in places like the mall, places that teach us to find our own satisfaction wherever we want and whatever shop we go to, then we'll have the temptation to treat the church like a mall. Our worship becomes about me and my feelings more than it is being drawn into the story of God's big story and the salvation that he offers. Now, how then do we resist this? As people being formed in so many different places throughout the week, what ways can we bring our resistance? Well, part of it means taking up practices that resist the temptations of our culture. Uh, we adapt a style of worship that acknowledges that we actually aren't the center, that, that God is, that, that the central dialogue is going up towards God and back towards us. We look at our service as rightful praise towards this God and as a space that invites us into be sh being shaped and formed into the image of Christ. This is why Paul, uh, on the heels of talking about building ourselves as people of patience and of humility, of forgiveness and love, then goes on to talk about us in our worship, that, that we should be singing psalms, hymns, songs of the Spirit. We were practicing thankfulness and gratitude in the midst of this and drawing ourselves in to the reminder of the good things that God has done for us. Now, a little bit more tactile. Uh, here's one way that I have found um, and try to challenge my own individual preferences in worship. When it comes to the, the upward arrow stuff, it's helpful to keep in mind the diversity of our community. Uh, not every song will be the one that expresses how I feel or how you feel. Not every liturgy will be shaped in a way that captures exactly how you feel at that moment. It's likely that 
the one that feels uncomfortable to you is one that makes someone else feel at home. And in some places of our worship service, as hard as it is, we are asked to sacrifice on behalf of the other. Something that is a challenge, but something that brings life to the benefit of our community. To take it a step further, though, when we confront styles, lyrics, words, that that bristle against our own preferences, this could actually be a place where you are invited to be formed and to grow yourself, to be changed and transformed through the act of worship. Perhaps parts of the service, like a time of confession, this is uh, something that was part of my journey um, in trying to understand what is that part of the service all about. Uh, maybe it, it could be that it's left comfortable to you because you don't feel a need to confess. You don't understand what its purpose is. This could be exposing a space where we need formation. I, I have found wisdom in the note that good worship does not only express what we currently feel, but good worship should form us and speak uh, what other people feel as well. It should have parts that feel foreign to us to show us that we're still a little rough around the edges, that we need formation. It should remind us of the diversity of the church, that this is a place of belonging for old and young, and it certainly should have places where we feel at home as well. So my challenge for you is I invite you to take a look at the intentionality in the rhythms of our service. As, as we worship, just pay attention. Is this a space where I am invited to express, or is this a space where I am invited to hear from what God might be speaking to me? See the story that, of Scripture that we're invited into, this huge story that we're invited to every service from creation to new creation. See the gospel story and the forgiveness of the cross. Practice in responding gratitude for the good things that God has done for us. This helps to train us in understanding our place in the story. As people formed by teaching, as people that are formed by the teaching that is in the Psalms, the songs in the Spirit, we hear the words of Paul as he finishes in verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The outcome of worship here is recognizing that our stories are caught up in God's story. We do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. We give thanks to God, the creator, through him. A bit of a, a summary uh, to close here. Um, our, our worship services have a, a built-in structure to them that shape us as worshiping people that both hear from God and respond to God in praise. The worship service trains us to turn to God in confession of our sin. It corrects our hearts that often turn from God and invite us to find grace in forgiveness before God. 
It's a time where we inspect our desires and we see where, where have these been misplaced. And we do this in participating in the rhythms of sitting and standing, opening our hands to receive blessing, taking the bread and the cup, feeling the waters of baptism, singing our faith, hearing God's word spoken and proclaimed. These are not things that we do arbitrarily, but central activities that we are meant to do together as a community. This is our weekly tune-up of sorts, our time of recalibration that, that nurtures us into the week. The hope is that we go from here radiating the truth and hope that comes from being centered into God's story. Let's pray. Lord, guide us in our worship. We thank you for the richness of the traditions of your church, for the wisdom of years and years of people turning to you in worship, being formed into your likeness. May we see the formation of the Spirit in our lives as we tell this story over and over again. The story of forgiveness, a story where you are the center, a story where you invite us into restoration. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.